Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. My hair is getting wilder by the minute. It's crazy. Jeff said that I uh, should have a robe on. I should be like John the Baptist or something like that. Who knows? You know, my my hair might not be like this forever. Right, Jeff? (laughs) So we talked about the heart of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, the mind of Jesus. You could talk about almost any body part of Jesus. I'm sure you could get some spiritual matter out of it. And today we're going to talk about the shoulders of Jesus. The shoulders, you know, it's an important muscle it's a load-bearing muscle if you injure your shoulder you're in trouble i've had one shoulder surgery i'm probably going to need a second shoulder surgery and i can tell you it's hard to do bench press with a broken shoulder it's hard to do overhead press it's hard to do lots of things when your shoulder is messed up a famous american poet some of you may know him as marshall mathers said these shoulders hold up so much they won't budge They'll never fall or fold up. Even if my collarbones crush or crumble, I will never slip or stumble. The shoulder, the shoulder holds the, the weight, holds the burden. And, and the shoulders of Jesus are incredible because they play an important role in God's plan. And you probably don't even know the scripture that talks about Jesus' shoulders. But there is actually a scripture that talks about Jesus' shoulders. And we're going to get there. But what's so incredible about Jesus' shoulders is that they include the entire picture of the Bible. They are central to God's plan. And they're beyond, actually, when when I'm going to show you the scripture, they're beyond a character trait that we need to work on. They're beyond some little thing that we need to make sure we practice. It is central, actually. Let's look at the big picture. Through this, we see our role and see how the shoulders of Jesus fit into God's plan. In Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26 to 27, I'm going to read a couple scriptures here, and so you can write them down if you want, you can look at them later. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and over all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind, what? In his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female, he created them. The, the scriptures say that in the beginning, in the beginning, God was with man. They were together. They were unified, they were one. God and man walked together. And then we know that man's betrayal set them apart. It separated them. The sin of man separated man from God. And it was broken in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination, every inclination of the human heart, of the thoughts of the human heart, was only evil all the time. And this is so true. We see this. You can go on Facebook. Look at your feed. Turn on the news. The world is broken. We've been separated from God. We are no longer in the garden. Amen? 
And then God, he comes up with this amazing plan, how he's going to save the world, how he's going to bring the world back to him through the family of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The scripture says that everyone on earth will be blessed through this guy named Abram. And we don't know at the point of Genesis 12, we don't know how he's going to do it, what it's going to look like. But he says that my plan to bring the world back to me is going to go through Abraham. And for a while, if you read the Bible, you're going to go for 600 pages and you're not going to see much about all nations after that. It's going to be very focused on the nation of Israel and how God is building up this incredible nation that will bless the world someday. And finally, in Isaiah, Isaiah is a complicated book. There's so much that goes on there. Isaiah is told that the nation of Israel hasn't been faithful to God. Despite the fact that he chose them and he blessed them, they haven't returned their love. They haven't returned back to him the love that he gave them. And God is going to do something. He's going to put them into exile. He's going to destroy the nation of Israel. But he says in the future, he says in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 5 to 7, he says, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, this is 600 years before Jesus. He says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The government, the government, it says, will be on what? On his shoulders. And he will be called what? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the greatness of his government. This is Jesus's government that will come in the future. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God will abandon Israel. Oh, yeah. Sorry, these are my notes. God will abandon Israel. And he does abandon Israel. And they go into exile. But they say, look, in the future, there's going to be a child. He's going to come. He's going to be born to Israel. And he's going to establish something that will never end. It will be forever, and it will be on his shoulders. It will be a government. It will be a kingdom. The scripture says that there will be a kingdom, not led by a man, but led by God. And later on, actually, in Isaiah, they talk about how this kingdom will not be just the kingdom of Israel, but it will be a kingdom that includes all nations and all who worship God and that government and those nations will rest on the shoulders of that king to come and then we see a couple hundred pages later 600 years after Isaiah said this Jesus is born a son is born to us and Matthew says he is Emmanuel God with us and the Israelites reading all of Isaiah they believe I really should have tied my hair back they believe that Jesus is going to come and that he's going to establish a kingdom. And the Pharisees wrongly understand that he's going to lead some rebellion to destroy Rome, to create an earthly kingdom. Even Peter, when, when John says, 
where Jesus says, I'm going to die. And Peter says, no, you're not going to die. You can't die. Because Peter doesn't get it either. Peter thinks there's going to be an earthly kingdom. And that Jesus is going to build this amazing kingdom and destroy the Romans and have an army. And, and, and that's what it's going to be. But that's not what it is. It's not there yet. But what he does do is he, he dies on the cross and liberates us from sin and opens up salvation to all nations. He says in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, this is Jesus speaking. He's already raised from the dead. He hasn't ascended yet. And he tells the disciples, he says, therefore, we all know this scripture, the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All nations, suddenly after Jesus, he, he sacrifices himself for the sins of all nations. And he says, go out and save these nations. Bring them to me. Bring them to God. Amen. And, the, and the disciples, you can see in the New Testament and Acts and all the letters, they perform amazing miracles. They baptize. They change lives. And we're still doing this today. Yes. We are still waiting for that kingdom. Yes. I don't know if it's too hard for you to notice. The government is not on Jesus' shoulders yet. Right. In any nation. Amen. And we are waiting for him. We are waiting for this nation. And while we are waiting for this kingdom, which will include all nations, God has given us a few things to do. And he says this in the Great Commission. He says, go out and tell all nations what is going on. Because I'm going to come back and I will put the government on my shoulders. I will put the kingdom of all nations on my shoulders. So you have to go out and you have to preach the word yes. that's how we fit into God's plan that's right. from the beginning all the way from the, the garden to now and so what do we do I think we pray I think we give and I think we go on, those are the three things that we can do for the Great Commission yes. in Matthew chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 11 Jesus teaches the disciples to pray and he says, pray yes. that the kingdom of heaven will come on to earth. As it is in heaven, may it be this way on earth. That's how Jesus tells us to pray. I don't know if you've ever had a prayer that's been answered. Yes. I've had a few prayers that have been answered. I remember my sophomore year of college. My sophomore year of college, this was, I guess, eight years ago at this point. I wrote just three things down. That morning, I don't know why I decided that specific spring morning to write this down, but I said, God, show me who I'm going to be with. Show me who I'm going to marry. I said, show me what I'm going to do this summer, the summer between my sophomore and junior year. And then finally I said, God, show me what you want me to do when I graduate. Show me what you want me to do with this $300,000 degree in chemistry. Show me what you want me to do with it. And I prayed about it. And an hour later in physical chemistry class, I got a call from a number that I didn't know. It was an evangelist in Chicago. And he said, Max, someone dropped out of the team. What do you think? Do you want to go to Kiev? An hour later, an hour, I asked God, who do, who do you want me to marry? What do you want me to do? He answered an hour later. Prayer works. Well, that prayer was answered in Genya, my wife from Kiev, amazing. And then I was there for the whole summer and that was awesome. 
And then after I finished my degrees, I decided to move to Kiev. And that was awesome too. But it was an answered prayer. Are you praying for the mission, the Great Commission, the purpose that God has given us here on earth to bring all nations to him? Are you praying about it? Are you praying for your role in it? What is your role in God's mission, in God's plan, what he has put us on earth to do? Where do you fit in to this puzzle? Ask God, he'll answer. I think we need to give sacrificially, and I know so many of you do, and you are amazing for the way you give. Thank you for the way you give. There's beautiful hearts in this group. I'm blown away by them. When any of you share about your contribution, and I'm just a graduate student, I don't make any money. When you guys share about your giving, I'm blown away and inspired by it. But I want to share, on the international sense, why it's important. When Jenny and I got married, her salary full-time in the ministry was $120 a month. Our phone bill is pretty much twice as much as that right now. You're like, you should find a different provider. <laughs> but our phone bill is more than that. I'm not saying you should give up your phones and give it to special missions so we can hire more interns in Kiev. What I'm saying is, is that your money goes so far. Yes. So incredibly far. If this group, we have a plan for our special missions that every person gives a dollar a day at $365 a year, if everyone in this group gave that, we could hire interns for like 100 years in Kiev. It makes such a difference. And this, this gets to me even more because I actually know from Kiev that they're putting their youth and family ministers on part time because they can't find enough money for them at hundreds of dollars a month. And that's a church of 2,000 people. They can't hire a youth and family minister because they don't have money. It's wild. But guys, thank you so much for your giving already. I wanted to inspire you with that, that your money goes incredibly far. You can't hire Joel and Lolly for $100 a month. They're doing a great job, by the way, and they're worth every penny. But you cannot hire them for $100 a month. But internationally, you can do that. Your money goes very far in international missions. And finally, I want to ask you to go. I'm not saying you need to do this. I'm not saying you should do this. I think you should think about it. I think you need to think about it. If you're single or you're in college, I think you need to seriously think about spending a year on the mission field. I'm not saying that the church is gonna pay you to do this. You might not need to find a job or something like that. It might be difficult, but many people here would be the, the greatest leader that some of these churches have ever seen. Your hearts would inspire them. There, every person here could be a Bible talk leader. Every single person here could make a difference. You guys are amazing. Your hearts would make a huge difference. Yes. I think if you're empty nesters, yes. I think you gotta think about it. Yes. I'm not an empty nester. You're like, speak for yourself, Max. <laughs> but seriously, think about it. And you can move to some place that's not very expensive, let me tell you. Kiev is not very expensive. I don't know if you have any retirement funds or something like that, you could live for a long time there. Think about it. I think that if you speak a foreign language, I think you need to think about it. I think you need to pray about it. I think you need to say, is there a mission field that I could go to and I could help? Because I know that you could. Amen. You would make a huge difference. Please pray about this. Please think about this. Don't leave this service without thinking, wow, I'm single. I don't own a house. I don't own a car. I have no commitments. I guess I'll just stay here and build a life. Do not leave here and think that. Leave here and think, I wonder if there's like a place I could work in Germany. The churches in Germany could really use you. I promise you.
Amen. I'm looking for the rest of my notes. And the reason why I think it's so important to think about this is because our lives are so insular and routine. My life, I don't have kids yet, but my life works like this. I wake up, have a quiet time, work till 10 p.m., go to sleep, wake up, quiet time, work, wake, sleep, quiet, every day. That's all it is, every single day. And once in a while I look at the news or something else, but we need to think about the bigger picture. Why are you here? You're here to change the world for God. You know, the U.S. population is only 4% of the world. Only 4%. And we got a pretty good spread here, I think, for churches in the, in the U.S. But there's plenty of places that don't have that. You need to think about it. If you, if you came from a different nation, I'm not saying you should move back. But think about serving in that place for a year, six months, whatever it is. You would make a huge difference there. Our mission is Christ's. Think about the bigger picture. And it's, easily to get, it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day. Don't be caught up in the day-to-day. Guys, I have one more scripture that I want to read to you. And uh, after that, the Olivers will come up and share about their mission experiences. A really amazing couple in our church with amazing things they've done. It's in Revelation 21, verses 2 to 4. It's talking about that kingdom that is on Jesus' shoulders. The government that he is in control of. It says, I saw the holy city. This is John's revelation. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the, lo- for the old order of things has passed away. If you've ever read Revelation, there's a crazy battle. All God's people from every nation come together. Jesus establishes his kingdom. And in that kingdom, there is no man, no party, no politics, no strife, no conflict, no debate, no policies, no taxes, no voting, no questions, only answers. No death, no sin, and one mighty king upon whose shoulders the governance, the power, the leadership rests for what? All nations. These are the shoulders of Jesus. I pray that you think about this. I pray that you pray. And I pray that you give. And I pray that if you can, you go. And with that, I yield my time. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.